Hello and welcome to Glory Be. Interesting people and how they pray. Each week we chat with interesting people about their lives, their work, and how they pray. I'm Sharon Hannish and I'm Mike Malcolm. Our guests today are Sister Barbara Austin and Father Steve Austin. Yes, they are siblings. <laughs> Sister Barbara and Father Steve grew up in Guthrie, Oklahoma, educated by the Benedictine Sisters. Sister Barbara entered the Benedictine Sisters at St. Joseph's Monastery here in Tulsa in 1965 and made final vows in 1971. She received her Bachelor of Science in Elementary Education from the University of Tulsa and a Master's in Religious Studies from St. Meinrad School of Theology. Sister Barbara taught at Madeline School and Montecassino School, worked as the Religious Education Director at Montecassino High School, and is a former prioress at St. Joseph's Monastery. She is currently the Lexio Retreat Director, a Spiritual Director, and the Formation Director, all here at St. Joseph's Monastery. Father Steve Austin is a priest for the Diocese of Tulsa in eastern Oklahoma and was ordained in 1984. He attended Oklahoma State University, North Carolina State, and Conception Seminary before receiving his Master of Divinity from St. John's University in Collegeville, Minnesota. He has pastored several churches in the diocese and is currently the pastor at St. Francis de Sales Sale, Church in Idabel, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He studied furniture manufacturing and even made the bedroom suit that he uses today, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Father Steve is also a photographer and has two nationally published pictures. You had so many interesting details, Father Steve, that I, you know, tried to be in precise there. area. Yeah. Did not include them all. So welcome, Sister Barbara and Father Steve. Nice hey. to be with you. Thank We're you. We're so excited you're here. We are filming here, if you're watching on YouTube, we're filming here at the monastery in the library. It's always just a holy, sacred space, I feel, when I walk up the stairs and head to the library. Mm-hmm. So we're happy to be here. And all are welcome to this library. It's open to the public. That's right. Didn't you say, like, or I know when we come, the librarian will give a little spiel, like, tell us about the library. Well, uh, the library has... Uh, Two collections here in this room, fiction and biography and uh, Catholic uh, oriented. And then in the next room, there's spirituality, monastic spirituality, uh, scripture, uh, just a great uh, wealth of material for people. And this room is available for people, too, to come relax in or have a meeting in. So, oh, yeah. So, is it open Monday through Friday during yes. uh-huh. business hours? Sure. And does one need a um, library card? No. To check it out? We just, <laughs> no. just sign our name. Yeah. Your name and your phone number so yeah. we can track you down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you're lucky, you get to sit at our family table here. Oh, yeah. This right. is historic. Yes. So, this is from your home in Guthrie? Yep. Correct. Wow. And this is where I sat. She didn't sit there. She okay. was over there. I see. And how many of there were you? Yeah, let's talk. Five kids. Five kids. You grew up in Guthrie. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your. You're growing up. Catholics, you grew up? Oh, absolutely. Church was three blocks away, and if the doors were open, we were there. (laughs) And even when they weren't, sometimes we were there. And what number are you, Sister Barbara? I'm second. And you're the baby, Father Steve. No. Fourth. Fourth. Who's the baby? Jeannie. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, so you're second born, fourth born. Mm -hmm. So you're middle children. Yep. We are. 
But the oldest is five years older than I am. So I really got to be the caretaker of Mm-hmm. Father Steve. Father Steve. Good luck on that job. <laughs> Jeannie. <laughs> yes, so you, you grow up in Guthrie. Now, Sister Barbara, so you there was a Catholic school there at the time. Uh, from 1889. Until? Wow. Until? until uh, closed a year or two ago. Oh, was that right? That's right. The sisters came in September after the run in 89, mm-hmm. April of 89. They got off the train. The next day they were teaching school. Oh, gosh. That's true. That is a true story. <laughs> On nail cakes. Wow. The kids yeah, they just set up nail cakes and some boards and started teaching, and they didn't stop. Where, where did they come from? Iowa. Iowa, Creston, Iowa. Creston, Iowa, uh-huh. Oklahoma. Uh-huh. Originally from Pennsylvania to Iowa is a Irish railroad settlement. Are, now, are you still related to them? I don't know how the Benedict tell us about We moved. Them. Well, we moved. This is this Same community Federation. is... Well, this community is this is the community that moved from Creston to uh, Guthrie. So everybody moved. Everyone yeah. moved. Okay. First, three people came. Yeah, it's kind of a tradition. Three people. Yeah. But uh, uh, then the whole community moved in eighteen ninety. 92, I think, or so. So you were educated by these Benedictines. Correct. And then you joined the Benedict, very young, like you were 18. Right. Did you always, tell us your vocation story. Did you always want to be a sister? Well, no, <laughs> no, not always. <laughs> it was kind of off and on too later. But uh, uh, my vocation story was, you know, it was, it was uh, prompted by those Benedictine sisters for sure. They were... They were our teachers, but they were our coaches. They were, uh, you know, involved in our families' lives, and and we helped them. We set up at the beginning of school, so it was a it was a great relationship, really, with them and the priests in our par- parish. Uh, the former bishop from uh, Kansas City, Bishop Sullivan, who ah, was yeah. uh, my pastor at Madeline too when I worked there. Was the was the pastor when I was baptized at in St. Mary's? So all of us, yeah, huh? all of us. So he he had a great influence on in our family life, actually. So the sisters, you know, they they were uh, our teachers and our coaches, as I said. But also, in the time I was growing up, was a great time of service. You know, kind of the beginning of things. Now they do so readily in high schools, and and the sisters again were. Totally involved in initiating that service with uh, people in Guthrie and then in Oklahoma City. It was part of the young people's uh, civil rights time, and we were involved with the young people in Oklahoma City. So it was very inspiring for me. So that service was my orientation to to uh, Benedictine life and, and the idea of a vocation. And our brother probably participated in one of the first uh, sit-ins or whatever you want to call it in Guthrie, Oklahoma. They came back from a basketball game, had one uh, player that was African-American, and the place they stopped to eat didn't serve them. And so they all just sat there till and didn't eat until they served that one person, yeah. and they did. Yeah. What year would that have been? Oh, 60s, early 60s. Yeah. Mid 60s. Yeah. And and the Benedictines instilled that kind of. Oh, absolutely. We had African American people from Langston University the whole time I was there. Mm-hmm. So you 
graduate from high school and go straight into I do and that's and that's not a usual thing now uh, it wouldn't be done that way but at that time it was it was kind of a normal time for people to enter. and you went out to the did you go out to went to the high school uh, that was at in Guthrie the first year and then they Benedictine high school right and then uh, that closed so I went to a public high school but then after that I you entered. Mm-hmm. And so were you in for a while and then they send you to college or how, how did you? No, I was, I was here as a postulant and we still had the college. The Benedictine sisters had the college. So we, we took college classes then. And then, um, I was a novice. I didn't go to college that year. And then the next year as a scholastic, I began at uh, University of Tulsa. Okay. And then a degree from St. Margaret. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's a good transition, Father Steve. So right. you're, how much is your age difference? Seven years. Seven, Seven years. years. So you are seeing your sister go off. And when do you start? Will you really tell us yours? Because you went to OSU. You didn't go to some yeah, straight. Well, it, it certainly started in grade school. Your vocation. I mean, they certainly exposed us to their religious life and uh, the sisters and and I have first grade, second grade papers where we're praying for more priests and all that. So it's been a part of my life the whole way. And it's certainly my sister's example uh, when I finally got to a point where I wanted to start thinking about uh, vocation and life. Uh, her example was inspiring to me to say, mm, that's not a bad way to live. <laughs> so, and I tried to join here, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> I know I was going to ask, did you think about joining, you know, Benedictine? Well, I did when I went to Conception, when I finally made the decision to give uh, seminary a try, I uh, uh, did uh, think about conception for a bit but i decided i enjoyed ministering to all kinds of folks and so young old male female all of it so i chose to stay diocesan and then i went to st john's in collegeville minnesota where i got to spend uh, six months in israel which was awesome oh wow yeah, they had a good program then. Tell us about that. Like, what what were you studying? Oh, we took all the regular kind of graduate classes, but it, we just had got to do it in the place they all happened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that was wonderful. And uh, can't open the Bible now without it just standing out at mm-hmm. me. And so uh, originally at OSU, though, I had Father Bob Slit. And my sister as good mentors and guides and uh, started by applying to Oklahoma City because that's the diocese of which Guthrie's in. But then I got offered the scholarship to North Carolina State from the place where I'd worked. And I said, you know, well, Lord, I have to try this. Uh, and all the while I'm out there, I'm going to visit St. Minor's and talking to vocation directors. So <laughs> it all just kind of goes. And then I finally gave in to the Lord because he kept after me and uh, went to conception saying, just let me fail. <laughs> Didn't fail. <laughs> and then on to, to major seminary. And uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful gift. So you went to North Carolina because you were going to do... Furniture engineering and management. Yeah, I, I read that and I, I hadn't 
heard of that degree. Furniture. There's only two places, North Carolina State and Indiana State, I think. Okay. Because, I, so you, we did mention in the bio, so I wanted to ask about this. So you, you made your own bedroom suit. Yeah, I worked in the sample department for over a year. And uh, in that department, I made my own furniture because I had the time and the tools and everything to do that. Maybe you can send us a picture and we can put it in our, our show notes. That'd be great. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Gladly. We'll flash it up on the screen. <laughs> yeah. So did, do you do any woodworking as a hobby? No. So, yeah. No time. Yeah. It's busy, 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 yeah. busy. Okay, so back to you, Sister Barbara. I'm just, I guess we'll just go back and forth. Okay. So, huh? so you're, we, we go back and forth off. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sister Barbara, so you've got your degree. You're a sister, and you begin to teach. Correct. And so the Madeline had a school. Yes. And you taught there first. And the Benedictines were there when that school opened, and I taught there first, oh, for only two years. And then the school that Madeline closed and the students, Catholic students who chose to could go to St. Pius for in-parish tuition. And uh, Madeline started uh, an amazing religious education and pastoral ministry program under uh, the four. Your sister, Peter. Bishop Sullivan. Oh, John, yeah. John Sullivan. John Sullivan. Yeah. Right. So we were, we... Uh, he hired a wonderful uh, adult education uh, director, and uh, Sister Pierre and I stayed on in the parish staff, and parish was divided into districts, and we each were responsible for visiting homes in those districts, and every week we'd come back and sit around the table, and uh, Father Sullivan would ask us who we'd seen and what was happening, and then we sponsored things for people in smaller groups in those districts. So it was a wonderful experience. And uh, we're still close to a lot of those families. Over at the Madeline. Yes. Yeah. Were you there working at the parish when Father Sullivan got the call? Yes. That he was going to be made a bishop? Yes. So what yes. was that like from a staff perspective? Yeah. <laughs> see your pastor walk out of his office with yeah. kind of a dazed look? Yeah. <laughs> right. Then he called us all over. I remember sitting in his living room and he was telling us about it. And then we went to Grand Island, which is mm -hmm. where he was first made, uh, made a bishop. So, and, you know, he baptized me. He was in Guthrie for, uh, can't remember now how. Through Jeannie, 57 yeah. at least. Yes. And then, uh, so as I said, he had, you know, he sponsored a lot of family oriented things in, in Guthrie too. He was just a marvelous pastor mm -hmm. good and good friend of our family. Yes. And, and related to the Sullivan, you know, a very Catholic family, even with a Catholic presence here in Tulsa. Oh, absolutely. Right. So then you come back to Monte Cassino and you teach here. Uh, it was 11 years at Madeline. Okay. Wow. And then I came back and taught here taught in the elementary school for a couple of years and then by that time i'd had my master's degree okay and uh began and we met at tu so you were doing you were the sub priorist at that point right so you fit after you taught here then you became the sub priorist no i was a sub priorist when i was still uh until 19 well the school uh the high school closed in 1986 okay but i was still at the school doing religious education at that time. So I was sub priorist and at the school and 
out at TU. <laughs> and then you became prioress. Then I became prioress. Which is for people who don't know about the Benedictine hierarchy, for lack of a better word, what is a prioress? Prioress is a, a, an elected leader of the monastic community and serves for a period of six years, renewed one more time if that's the community's uh, choice. But in the rule of St. Benedict, the role of the abbot and the prioress, very special um, spiritual role in the community with, uh, you know, you learn, you learn everything about what it means to be a Benedictine when you're a prioress. Oh, yeah. You have to be the most obedient. And the, <laughs> really? And, and the, most, <laughs> the most caring and the most, uh, you know, uh, it, it uh, it's a great, uh, it's a great time to grow as a, as a Benedictine. Are there conventions for prioresses yes. and Benedictine leaders in a yeah. country? Yes, there are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I was very blessed with the uh, input from, you know, uh, worldwide as well as national Benedictine leaders. We're used to that diocesan structure, I suppose, of sure. priests answering to a bishop and then right. a bishop going to meet with the Pope once every what is it, five, seven years, five, seven five years, years, or seven. every so often? And it, does that work the same in the Benedictine hierarchy? Um, it's regular. Yes, it is regular like that. We have we have meetings. We belong to a federation of Benedictines, so people see our community here. It's small, but we're not by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We are, are part of eighteen other communities, and then there are three other Benedictine congregations in the. United States plus a, a, a congregation of uh, enclosed Benedictines. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a shared life, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, so back to Father Steve. So, Father Steve, Sister Barbara's off doing all these great things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you are coming out of, you come out of the seminary. Right. Where? Where do you go first? Was it St. Mary? That's what we yeah. thought. In fact, yeah. I've got a picture of you breaking ground on oh, the new yeah. church. Yeah, yeah. So, I got. Was, I was a deacon uh, with Father McCauley, and mm-hmm. he was the only priest. So yeah. uh, we were busy as deacon. I think I baptized more children than anybody else at the seminary. That <laughs> deaconate uh, competition. Yeah. Uh, so was then uh, with Father McCauley for two years at St. Mary's, then went up to Bartlesville with Father Jewett for three, mm-hmm. and then I was made pastor of Salisaw, Cookson, and Weber's Falls, yeah. first pastorate, then to McAllister for seven years, back to Bartlesville uh, for seven years, then to Resurrection after a sabbatical year. And I was at Resurrection for 10. I've been in Ida Bell now for seven. Yeah. So uh, I had a question about, so when you're assigned to, I think it was maybe your second or third assignment, when you had several parishes, you listed like. That was my first pastorate. I had three missions and one parish. Yeah. And that must be hard. Yeah, that's what I was Oh, thinking. it was a lot of miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, uh, it's hard to be a good pastor to four parishes. Uh, but they were wonderful people and, um, that made it easy to serve and you do the best you can, but you're on the road a lot, 150 miles a weekend. Uh, I think I did 35,000 miles a year. Uh, it's the only 
uh, parish, I think, that has three missions. Hmm. Might be wrong with that. During that time, because one thing you I thought was interesting, you did the free wheel at some point, mm-hmm. well, like yeah. for 10 years or something, yeah, which yeah. is, tell, talk about that. And yeah. I think that's interesting. What is free wheel? Yeah. Free wheel is a bike ride across the state. And I did that from... How many miles? Oh, around 300. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a seven day, so it's broken down into pretty easy mileage. I did it from, what, 86 through 92 or... No, 96. 96. It was for 10 years. And uh, and the, the best time was when I was in Bartlesville, uh... Al Servan, a longtime parishioner there, uh, did what's called sagging, which he carried all our equipment, and he just up and said, I'll sag for you. That meant he slept in his truck oh my gosh. and uh, carried all our equipment, and we just got to ride and enjoy the state. So you were able to do that? While you were a priest. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a bike ride. It's vacation time. So, uh, yeah, uh, I did celebrate mass, uh, for whoever wanted to join that were Catholic, uh, that were on the ride. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of Catholics did it back then. Dal Tobin, uh, he and I, uh, he beat me in more times than I'd like to say. <laughs> Dal Tilburn, who, for people who don't know him, he is, I believe, 96. Yeah, and I'm only 68. So he's a very active, longtime parishioner at the yeah. Church yep. of Satan. A pillar a of that pillar. church. Yeah. Still going to daily mass every day. Yeah, he's a good one. And he beat me in most days. Wow. <laughs> I imagine that getting a good vacation to really change the the view oh, is important. Change the vote. Yeah. Well, when you're pastor of four parishes, how did how does that work? I mean, um, do you have four parish councils? Do you have four of everything? Uh, back then, we had one council and had representatives from each. Ah. And then you know, we went. I went to the missions one day a week. The 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 one on Lake Tinkiller, uh, St. John's, they, uh, depended on the, uh, lake people. So on Sunday, it was kind of, we serve you. Uh, and, and I'm grateful for that parish in so many ways. Uh, everyone was probably over 70 that was a parishioner and they did it all mm-hmm. serving, welcoming, lecturing, all of it. And they did it every week. And, uh, so when I've gone to other parishes and, and people tell me, Oh, you know, we're, we're getting a little old for this ministry. You know, maybe we should let somebody else. I said, well, you know, St. John's, they did it all. (laughs) (laughs) They can't get out of it because they're older. (laughs) Well, that'd be an interesting, uh, role for a pastor to find yourself because there's not that long-term relationship that you have with the congregation. Yeah. You know? Well, it works pretty good. Yeah. We had a mass at, for that community that I was speaking of, uh, every Wednesday and it was, we always went out and ate afterwards. Yeah. So that daily mass was more like their Sunday mass for yeah. them. Uh, it was uh good, good prayer. And, uh, then, like I say, we always, sometimes we do a study, sometimes we just go eat. So it was a good time. You know, before we transition to how you pray, mm-hmm. I had one more question to ask you, which is you mentioned that you spent time in the Holy Land, and you also oh, yeah. mentioned that you have a couple of photos that have been 
nationally published. Yes. Were they from the Holy Land? Well, uh, one is, uh, it was published in Bible Today, uh, St. Peter Gallicantu, one of the places that they say Jesus was uh, put on trial. Uh, and uh, then the other one is of the bell banner in front of St. John Church. I did a night picture with the moon and it, they put it on the front of their brochure that they send around the world. St. John. Oh, wow. St. John's in Collegeville, Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. Wow. How did you get interested in photography? Uh, I don't I love nature. I'm a Eagle Scout, so I've always loved being in the out of doors and just kind of naturally went into taking photos. And then certainly when I went to Israel, I wanted to be able to take some good shots I'm always open to share my slides if anybody wants yeah. to see them. <laughs> yeah, we can link that in the bio. <laughs> Sister Barbara, I, before we try, I had one other question. So I do know that, didn't you like play tennis? And weren't you a tennis player? Because I talked about his free will. Total sports. Yeah, that's a, you were kind of an athlete. Yes, yes. I grew up playing many sports. And did and you continue, like when, once you were like a young sister? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, playing tennis. And, uh, you know, in elementary school, you get to play basketball and things like that with the students. But I basketball was one of my biggest sports, I think. But I like tennis and swimming. An, was everybody an athlete in your family, all the siblings? <laughs> Not really. I love fishing, of course. And my dad was a great fisherman. But n- none of my brothers liked it. Neither one yeah. of my brothers. Well, I did it as long as I could do it with dad. Yeah. I lo- I enjoyed that. I hunted fish, all that. Well, yeah. Yep. Enjoyed we love do- we love doing things with our dad. That's yep. for sure. Yep. You know, you have such a close family. I know there's so many things to ask. I have one more before we go. <laughs> you have now a nephew, right? Who's a seminarian. Correct. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's continuing. Mm-hmm. What, what, tell me his name and he's for the, our diocese. Correct? Yes, that's right. Matthew McLean. What? Matthew McLean. What oh, his name is Stephen Matthew McLean. <laughs> ah, yeah. But how's Excuse that happen? Me. Yeah. Mr. Barber dropped that up. Excuse yeah. me. And, yeah. and the good part about that is me and my little sister fought like cats and dogs when we were little. I have 21 stitches up here because of her, <laughs> of which I did nothing to yeah, deserve. deserve that. But uh, somewhere along the line, the relationship changed. Mm-hmm. They're best friends. They're best yeah, friends. Absolutely. Uh, so Matthew, Matthew is he at St. Minor. Yeah. He's he at St. Minerid in his uh, first year of theology. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has a brother who has three little redheaded girls. Nice. I so, always like to hear that. Yes, that's right. So. It's it's wonderful to share in in his life and his brother's life and our other all our family our yeah. other yes yeah in fact I talked to Matthew not too long ago okay. he was calling as part of their uh, alumni telethon oh so okay. uh, we caught up he's really enjoying it yes, there it's yes. a beautiful part of the world yes it is it is. Well, this podcast is interesting people and how they pray. You guys are very interesting. But we'd also, we assume at some point in the day you find time to pray. And how does that work as busy people with schools? You've got that really defining your, how your day is structured. And you spend a, spent a lot of time in your car, for example, when you were pastor of those four sure, parishes. Sure. How do you find ways to keep those hours holy um, oh. when you're busy? 
You go first because I'm going to dovetail right into you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, that's a good question. You know, uh, in the Benedictine life, for one thing, the community keeps you uh, returning to prayer because we pray together four times a day and uh, we are called together to do that. Um, That builds up your heart, I think, from early on. Uh, to be seeking God and to uh, awareness of his presence and his grace. Then personally and, and, uh, as a community, we have, uh, begun a real strong focus on our, on our monastic life and being called back to share with everyone what are the qualities of our spiritual life. And Benedict, you know, it's ordinary everyday life learning to know the presence of God. And and so our prayer of Lexio Divina or divine reading, we have scheduled just like we have our uh, community prayer, we have our personal prayer time scheduled. And that can be many varieties of things, as Sharon knows, uh, in terms of uh, leading our prayer through the scripture. So... Um, that's that's the structure that leads us leads us into to a life of prayer and you know i just have discovered it takes it takes a lifetime to discover the the beauty and the delight yeah. of prayer i would say and there are times when you know you become kind of unconscious of god's life within you or around you Hopefully not for long, but you get called back. But as you grow older, it becomes more and more apparent that God's grace is within us. Uh, God's love is there for everyone. And, and as a Benedictine, you know, it's just being called to be at, attentive to that grace and, and helping other people be attentive to it. Mm-hmm. So. Father Steve, then certainly first and foremost, being exposed to prayer in Sister Barbara's life and the routine of the monastery that helps you pray. And then in seminary, uh, major prayer times for me are first morning prayer. I, I'm an early riser and I, I do pray the liturgy of the hours, um, morning and evening. And uh, morning prayer is prayed, but I add a a wonderful list of names uh, that are on my phone. Uh, I have every kind of category you could think of, from mothers to be to those preparing for marriage, those in need, friends, family, most in need. Uh, those that have died, uh, I read those names and pray for their, them and their families, uh, every day, every morning. I take my time as I go through that list. Lots of good people. And, uh, with morning prayer, I also take time to, to begin each day with my preparation for Sunday, uh, homily by praying the scriptures and spending uh, time with that. So my morning prayer is hour and a half, 
at least each morning. And then I take a holy hour late afternoon, uh, four to five. Uh, I love being before the Blessed Sacrament. It's uh, a privileged time as priest. The church is just right there. (laughs) Easy to go be with the Lord in his real presence. And then evening prayer uh, after the day kind of finishes. And uh, then in my bedroom before I go to sleep, I read the next day's uh, uh, scriptures and say, Lord, okay, during the night, help me know what I need to say tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Works pretty good. Yeah, (laughs) The Lord provides. Well, I know that because we all teach together at the School of Lexio. Oh. Well, Father Steve, are you still teaching? Or? Not right now. Okay. But for many years, yep. you taught. Um, Sister Barbara, I, I want you to give a plug for the Lexio retreat yeah. to talk about that. You know, it's been so important in my own life and you, uh, learning that practice mm. and um, getting to be with you both and all of the sisters who teach and others here at the monastery. Um, talk about that, the Lexio retreat, what we do, what we learn, how we pray. Great. That, yes, we're, uh, so grateful to be able to offer the Lexio retreat three, right now, three times a year, three days uh, out of the week, 8.30 to 4.30. People can come and stay at the monastery or come back and forth for the retreat, Michael. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh oh! I should have invited you, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Signed up for Lex. I like Lexio. Yeah. Yeah. You would love it. Yeah. yeah. And and you know, for some people, Lex, Lexio just means reading. Yeah. And sometimes we say Lexio Divina, divine reading. It's really praying with the scripture. So you learn in this retreat, first of all, uh, some history because it started right at the very beginning of early Christianity. And, uh, so we learned where it came from. And then we, uh, understand the obstacles that get in our way, all of us in our everyday life. And then also some deeper distractions or afflictions that might be a part of our life. Learn how to pray with that, acknowledge that, learn how to move our thoughts from, from, uh, anger to, uh, you know, uh, a place of peace with God. So there's teaching on that and practice, practice for that. And then, then teaching the four voices of the scripture, uh, uh, the literal voice, the symbolic voice, uh, the acting voice t- calling us forth as Christ said, follow me. And, and then the mystical voice. So we, we have teachers, wonderful teachers who share their experience, uh, with these, uh, uh, way, with this way of praying. And, uh, and then uh, a big portion then of the last day is on discernment. How do I learn to discern what's of God, what's of myself? And, and it's a way of prayer that we take into our everyday life, you know, attention to our thoughts being present to other people, uh, responding to God's grace. And, it, and uh, it's just a wonderful gift that was lost a little uh, over the centuries and now has been retrieved. 
So we're grateful to offer it and hope people see it in their bulletins or. Yes, we'll put a. Absolutely. We'll link right to it. Mike has advertised real well over Mm -hmm. St. Mary's. Yes, thank you, Michael. Well, and thank you for teaching. So, I mean, not to to turn this around, this is about you, but what drew you, Sharon, to teach at Lexio? Sister Barbara (laughs) just asked, and you can't say no to Sister Barbara. Uh Oh, yes, you can. (laughs) (laughs) Not easily. (laughs) Yeah, so Sister Barbara and Father Jack and I, Gleason, who is also a teacher and former pastor at the Church of St. Mary, we started studying these books by Sister Meg Funk um, and learning about this practice. And then Sister Barbara invited us to attend Alexio, School of Alexio. Father Steve, I think you were at that when mm-hmm. Sister Meg taught us yep. all about it. And then the Benedictine sisters here had discerned that they wanted to offer this. Right. And so it's a blessing, blessing, blessing mm-hmm. to our community in Tulsa. We've had, I mean, it's, we've been doing it, what, 10 or 15 years. We've had many, many priests and lay people and of all faiths, different. So most, mostly Catholic, I think, but of all faiths. And so anyway, it's just been great. So if you've convinced me that I want to do this, what's my first step? First step, go to the website of St. Joseph Monastery and click on retreats. Sounds good. We'll have a link in the show notes to that. Thank you very much. So we're kind of starting to wind up a little bit. So I think, I I don't know if you guys got my email, but anyway, we do ask all of our guests (laughs) two questions. The first is, has there been a time in your life when it's been difficult to pray? Mm -hmm. Father Steve, would you like to go first? Any time when... I forgot uh, to look at the email. Yeah, it could be a specific (laughs) time. It could be just general. uh, Has there been a time... Unless, Sister Barbara, you have something that... Well, it was... Probably somewhat harder at the very beginning of priesthood because St. Mary's was so busy, especially as a deacon with one priest at that time. It was easy to be about the Lord's work without being too close to the Lord. So, and maybe one time while I was there, there was a, a death that just especially hit me hard. And it was a difficult time, uh, but grace of God and people around helped through that. I've been a part of a Jesus Caritas group, pre-support group for almost my entire priesthood. And that's a group of priests that get together once a month to pray, to, to share God's word and to share our life common life together and that's been a very helpful reality too through those times so yeah that would probably been the most difficult transitioning from seminary where it's easy to pray because it's just very legislated and then to okay you need to do this (laughs) yes excellent Mm -hmm. sister barbara well um do you know um as I said, in community life, we're always called back to prayer. In our personal lives, uh, I, as I said, it's a lifetime. And there are many uh, times when you have to get called back. You're doing good work. But, you know, uh, I remember one of my first uh, scripture passages in prayer uh, Jesus going after the 99, the one sheep that left the 99. And I thought I was helping Jesus 
find that sheep, and then it turned out to be me. Yeah, yeah. calling me back. Yeah. It's his work, not it's not my work, you know. So, so that kind of realization that I need to keep turning to God and asking, mm-hmm. asking, uh, really in a relationship with God that. I keep opening my heart to. I'm just learning that more and more as I become an elder in this monastic community. I do remember a time I thought about this, Sharon, not, uh, well, it was a time when my sister was dying and I was sitting beside her bed and we were, we were praying the rosary. And uh, then she turned to me and she said, let's stop. So that that wrote uh, prayer was uh, we were to leave that and be in each other's presence in a profound and and difficult way, but still uh, I've never left that a sense and her calling me her calling me to that deeper presence of God with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means so much to me. It was certainly present. The layperson calling the exactly, exactly. I want to say that you know we've. I've always said, <laughs> Father Steve and I were the two in our family who needed more help. <laughs> <laughs> and the parents, uh, those my other sister and my my brother who have children. <laughs> You know, they—they're the holy ones. I mm-hmm. really feel that's yeah. unselfishness. Just to say, yeah, the unselfishness that mm-hmm. comes in. And we're grateful the Lord called us mm-hmm. to more work. <laughs> we needed it, and it's been a blessing. Exactly. Yes. Well, it's just been so wonderful, Mike. Just ask you for your. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say one of the things that we do when we close out the podcast is we invite all of our listeners and everybody in the world to join us in a few prayer intentions. Mm-hmm. If you could ask the whole world to join you in a prayer intention, what would that be? Mm. Well, our dear Pope has mentioned several that we always need to pray. One for the salvation of the world. Uh, the world needs Christ. And so I think that's a good one to keep before us. And then also, the Benedictine way is certainly very much at my in my heart. Uh, peace, exactly. Uh, pox uh, to pray for uh, the parts of the world that are not living in peace. And so that's always a, a close intention. That's the prayers he he offered. I said, "Oh, I do need to pray these every day." Yeah. Uh, pray for the Spirit's presence to be with me. Help me to not be a person of division and to be a person that brings people together. So, yeah, those are good intentions for everyone every day. That's wise. Sister? And I would I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And um, on my heart, of course, the prayer for vocations and mm-hmm. vocations to our monastic way of life and Hope that people can understand it in a new way in this time and uh, have an opportunity to visit us and know uh, their own their own discernment, no matter what it is. But we have a wonderful way of life to yeah. offer. That's a beautiful great. library. Yeah. yeah, there we go. A beautiful monastery. 
beautiful sisters. Beautiful sisters, yeah. yes. Well, thank well, you. Well, thanks all. so much for being on this. This is great. Beautiful to be with you. Yes. Yep. Well, would you lead us in a glory be? Yep. Sure. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to, to the, the Father, Father to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was, was in the beginning, beginning it is now, and ever shall be, without end. Amen. Thank you so much. You're more than welcome. Glory Be is a production of the Office of Communications at the Church of St. Mary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm your producer, Mike Malcolm. See you next time. To find out more about this podcast, you can find it online on your favorite streaming platform now.